Whether it's digital or analog design that keeps you busy, today it's all about the experience. This is Experience by Design, a podcast exploring the latest trends and solutions helping create the most intriguing experiences you can imagine and the ones you can't. Hosted by Brian Mazaros. Welcome to another episode of the Experience by Design podcast. I'm your host, Brian Mazaros, and today we welcome Peter Critchley, CEO of Beaver Trizen. Beaver Trizen is an award-winning technical digital agency specializing in customer experiences using the latest in display, data, and interactivity. The Beaver Group was originally founded in 1998 by Peter and also Barry Thurston, who has now retired following the acquisition by the Trizen Group in mid-2019. They have worked with brands like IKEA, SSP, GSK, and numerous high-profile cinemas in the UK. It's a pleasure to welcome Peter to the show. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Brian. It's a, a delight to, to be here and to, to spend some time chatting with you. Always a, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, so if we could start, if you can just you know, talk a little bit about, about Beaver Trizen, um, what you focus on and, and what you've been up to. Thanks. Um, so we, as you as you rightly said, we started in 1998, which seems like a, a very long time ago now. Um, and now we're dating ourselves. Now. I mean, now honestly, very old. We, we you know we're starting to talk about you know amigas and things like that, so we shouldn't do that. Um, we we have always done uh, the, the the thing they call digital signage now, um, and we would originally uh, focused on corporate signage and the delivery of uh, breakout areas and uh, reception spaces and all all of the fun that comes with that. Um, And we still do deliver that as a solution. But in the mid-noughties, we focused on uh, retail as a a growing sector. And we focused especially on the QSR opportunities and digital menus. Um, And through the following years, we started to to work much more closely with brands like Burger King, um, SSP, um, and, and numerous other um, contract catering companies and um, uh, food operators and built a, a platform that, that really addressed all the, the needs that they had, um, f- managing stock, allergens, nutrition, information, and, and really the kind of operational needs that, that digital presented as a, as a, as a solution for. Um, that's led us into much more exciting uh, retail opportunities as well. Um, so we're now working with with brands like Made and we're working with um, you know the large cinema chains, as you say, to deliver um, really quite transformational digital ex- experiences in the spaces that they operate. Um, and we've always done it with, as an end-to-end solution. So we, we built organically our team to deliver, project manage, you know, design, um, install, maintain, and then support ongoing the creative and, and technical aspects of all the projects that we deliver. Um, because we believe that if you have full ownership of a solution, uh, you can truly, you know, implement the change. And, and if you, you know how it goes, Brian, you've, you, you've been in these situations yourself. If you have too many sort of third parties, whether it's just a hardware provider or a, uh, an integrator or a creative company, it can sometimes cause unnecessary friction. And really, the solution doesn't always then deliver its uh, its best outcomes. Um, and then, of course, I mean, most recently in the last year or, or, or so, we've 
Uh, we've taken on the uh, Merlin uh, project globally, and we've also um, been working closely with GF, GF, GVC Group, um, delivering um, digital window experiences for brands like Ladbrokes and Coral in the UK and others uh, globally. So it's you know this space has turned into a, a very dynamic space, and that's where Trees on um, Dryzen comes in for us. Um, as, a, as, a, as a company because we, we um, recognized that we needed to be able to deliver globally um, and Trizen are the number one integrator in, in Europe and uh, operate globally um, and have offices around the world and we've, we've aligned ourselves with them uh, in 2018 um, and completed the, the transaction last year um, which has enabled us to really start sort of really ups, upscaling the solutions and, and platforms that we can deliver to a whole range of really exciting brands. So it's, a, it's a, you know, with everything that's going on, it's still an amazing time to be in this industry. And I'm, I'm still just as excited about it as I was a thousand years ago when I started. Do you, do you see, um, you know, I'm kind of curious in your opinion on, on this. I mean, you mentioned digital signage and then in the latter part of your description, you started to talk more about experiences and digital experience. Do you see, you know, we're at this point where we're we're kind of moving away from using the word digital signage, and it's really more focused on on the experience that you're creating for the customer or for the audience, and taking into consideration engagement and storytelling. Do you see a bit of a a transformation as to how you you talk about it, or even how sort of what the clients are are thinking about or asking for from you? Oh, I think it's, I think it's everything. I think that. I try really hard not to say digital signage as much as possible now. Um, I think it's uh, it's a legacy term, and um, I think we've we've not been really pushing digital signage as a as a kind of solution terminology for for some time. It's still you know it's still there. It's obviously still there, but I, I think it's I think it's run its course. I think it's had its day. I think we we talk about digital surfaces a lot. Um, so they're either passive or interactive. They're either large format or they're LED or they're tablet format um, and mobile. So the the journey is is really the interesting piece here. And how do we communicate what we want to communicate at the right time to people when they're when they're on that journey? And they, that journey isn't necessarily in the spaces that we digitize. Um, that journey starts before they arrive. Um, and it's a, a, a storytelling is a crucial part of it. You know, we need to think about how we foreshadow the experience that they're going to get. You know, what are we, what are we explaining to them prior to their, to their visit that helps them then really make the most of the, the, uh, the digital platforms experiences and, um, the, 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 the cool tech and exciting creative that we've put into the, the, the spaces for our clients. Um, we really want to create moments of magic, don't we? We want to create moments of memorable magic that um, people share and talk about and um, are excited by. And, you know, frankly, a screen on the wall running a few animations just doesn't cut it. It's not enough. Uh, so that's why digital signage is a, is a legacy term because the, the, the whole market has moved on significantly away from um, you know, even the notion of screens. We're now talking about spaces. What, what, where's the space that we're working with? And that space might be three meters by one meter. It might be, you know, 
15 meters by 10, who knows? But we're working with spaces and distances and dwell times, and that defines every conversation that we have. And, you know, the the reality, I think, is that there's not that many people, you know, you you guys, are, you, know, are, are, you know, you are one of the, you know, true innovators in this space, and you've created some amazing uh, installations. And there's not many people like you around, Brian, that, that do this stuff. And, and there's not that many people in the UK that are doing it either. I mean, we, you know, we, we're aspiring to be, you know, the leader in this space to, to create truly exciting and frictionless experiences for people. Um, and it's an ongoing challenge to, to meet the, the opportunity because it's vast, really. I think there's so many people that really could do with help in this space. Um, and, I, you know, I sometimes worry that our market hasn't yet quite caught up to that and is still talking about tech. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for the, uh, the, the compliment. And, and, you know, again, feeling is mutual. And I think that's why we're, you know, having this conversation because I, I think, you know, part of the industry is is still stuck on on the legacy term, and and I think we need to, you know, start focusing on on the terms that you you just spoke of. And I love how you say space, um, because I think that's really where the attention needs to be. Is you're you're looking at a, a holistically at a space, and and figuring out how does technology augment that environment and. How does it impact everything you said from behaviors to, to dwell times? It, it's it's nice and refreshing because for a while the conversation would never talk about space or or behavior patterns. You know, it was just as you said, it was a screen on the wall, and now we have to be more conscious of understanding its its impact and and how do we be more creative and how it's placed. Do you, do you think with that focus there or that that attention now? recognizing that there's space and an environment that makes it easier to or for you to think of different solutions for a client given that you know we are soon will be out of you know a, a pandemic situation but you know there's, there's still the consideration in people wanting space um in an environment but um being able to look at the whole space on a, too much space i'm saying <laughs> but looking at the environment on a whole um do you think it's easier now that you've you've you're looking past digital signage and looking at other solutions to create an experience for your client. I think the the linga franca that you speak is really important, right? You know, the 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 the, the, the engagement begins in a in a completely different way to uh, the. It's almost like when you know the iPhone came out and everyone had to have an app. It almost didn't matter what the app did, just that you had an app. And I think that we've been through a phase where digital was a bit like that. It didn't really matter what you did, just that you did it uh, and that you had something, whether it was in a window or on a wall or, you know, and that the retail, the retail channel is now far more focused. It's far more, um, you know, it's far more stretched, actually, whether that be um, through people, uh, resource or through finances. And so the decisions of the of spaces that need that attention um, is driven by the impact that that work has on buying decisions, on the customer experience, the feedback, the brand um, recognition, the brand um, engagement, and also the the kind of the takeaways, the satisfaction, the the, the you know the. the the post-visit purchasing that you can drive, and its integration with other channels. It's not just a standalone 
own anymore. You know, what we do, it needs to integrate with um, the, the, the sales channels, the stock channels, the social channels. Uh, it needs to be a, an integrated part of the fabric of the business and the building. Um, and by doing that, by talking in that way, you're, you're bridging a number of different um, departments and you're, you're talking to a number of different challenges that the uh, that the brands uh, that you're talking to have um, but you better be able to deliver a solution you better be able to back that up with something because um, you can't just have that conversation and go okay great here's an led we're going to put it at the back of the store and it's going to run some videos it's going to look amazing it just isn't going to be enough it's here and it's a 2.5 and it's so great it's really cool it's running at however many nits i you know that's really great but honestly it'll be a a lame duck as soon as it's installed um, because it really won't have any thought about its lifespan and its purpose and how it's going to grow and engage and develop and be a central part of the, the, the customer's engaging journey when they're walking in and around that store. So, you know, we're, we're talking to people now, various retailers about interactive um, LED. We're talking about, you know, utilizing real world products in that space with RFID and Wi-Fi, wireless tags. Um, we're talking about, um, you, you know, turning it into something that feels more than the sum of its parts that that is surprising. So it's doing stuff in places where you wouldn't expect it to. And it's interacting with the physical world and space in ways that you wouldn't imagine it possible to in a digital environment. And, you know, it's doing stuff between communities, people. Um, it's talking to um, friendship groups and to um, interest groups. So, um, you know, whether that's sports or, or otherwise, and encouraging people to engage with the brand through the, the technical and creative platforms that we're delivering to create an experience that that's really exciting and meaningful. And, you know, sometimes you get to do that in, you know, the amazing full-on ways that we, we, we're dreaming about. And then sometimes you have to do it in the kind of, you know, version alpha and then grow it from there. But you must always have that at the center of your thinking because Otherwise, it, 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 you miss a massive opportunity to even in a small way influence um, behavior. Do you, do you find that with, with the brands that you've been speaking with that there's, and I think you're right. I mean, when you, when you have a different approach to it and, and you're, you're speaking, you know, the language of, of, of retail and, and brand, do you find it easier to have conversations or bring together different divisions so that it's it's not a, a siloed experience that you you have online and you have store design and you have product development you have of, of all the necessary parties are coming together because you're you're able to unify them because you can speak to to all multiple groups i mean do you, do you find those conversations becoming easier and and the brands receptive to that or do you think we're not quite quite there yet i think it's a long a long term plan that one i think um it's it's happening starting to happen um and i think that as the um the implementations grow and um you start to see more understanding of the value of them and how they work and why they're there um i think you start to see a a a, a, a a reduction in the, the number of obstacles that are put in in place to the typical processes that you know we'd have to go through um, so yes, but it, you 
you need to be talking to senior people. You need to be talking to highly engaged and um, you know influential people within brands to do this. And so, it is a it is a, a process that you go through. Um, and if you're doing that, then actually you shouldn't really need to worry because they'll be bringing the, the teams in because they'll see exactly why they need to do that. No, agreed. And again, you know, I, I love how you're 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 presenting this because I think this is exactly this this is refreshing because I think it's it's more of these conversations and approaches that are really going to help um, you know move the needle into the the other direction. With with you know kind of switching gears a, a little bit. I mean, speaking on retail, I mean we're coming into the holiday season now, and and I think there's you know there's there's a lot of positive signs that are that we're seeing now. Um, you know, between the announcement of a vaccine, between um, the economy starting to show some some gains, um, you know, what is this setup for, you know, the 2020 holiday season? Um, do you do you see the high street becoming active? Do you, I mean, what what are you seeing, and and what do you think will will take place? Well, it was interesting in the first kind of lockdown. We we the the shift obviously went rapidly to digital um, and online and plat- delivery platforms, and the talk was then of how this was the moment. This is the this is the time when everyone's going to stop going to to shops because they'll realise they don't need to. Um, and there was a a, a, cumul- a a collective holding of the breath um, in June when. The stores reopened, um, and actually, people queued. They queued in big numbers to go into the retail stores, um, both at the sort of you know the the bottom, if you like, and at the top end of the market. Um, and there's a, a, a clear desire to experience the product and to touch it and feel it and to hold it and to try it on and um, and to not have to wait for it and to be able to go and you know pick it up that day and take it home. So uh, we've seen actually that retail has been pretty robust and certainly in the UK, consumers have been pretty, uh, pretty good at um, spending money um, and they haven't been too phased. Um, they've been phased obviously, but not as much as anyone thought by the, the pandemic and the the expectation is that although retail and online represents more like 35%, perhaps a bit more of uh, the transactions, the, the retail high street um, is, is actually doing better than most thought. And coming out of this uh, this lockdown, you know, the experience leads us to, 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 ex- to expect a better and more uh, more engaged uh, consumer in the in the shops. And just before the lockdown happened, there were really big queues for toy stores um, because people were desperate to make sure they had the right toys for for Christmas. And there's plenty of people, me included, who have done nothing about it. Uh, and we'll need to make, <laughs> we'll need to we'll need to get it's on top of it. It's going to be a mad dash. <laughs> uh, it's going to yeah, it's, it's yeah. like every year. Um, so no, and I think people have become big. You know, started to appreciate the high street. Actually, um, I think there's still a consolidation that's been accelerated. So the the stores that really, you know, there's a lot of um, stores that had, had passed their sell by date, and brands that that really were now, you know, just clinging on pre pandemic, and and they they are not surviving. Um, but the 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 brands that 
really have a clear identity and understand how to engage with customers before, during, and after the experience, and are communicating effectively, have seen you know significant um, uplifts. I mean, there's brands like Burberry's and Levi's and, and and others that have reported positive numbers, you know, over like for like for last year, um, and those. Those brands are um, are working really hard at the experience. They're working really hard at innovation. Um, you know, Levi's have got a you know a, a recycling and, and um, return and recycle store in London, which opened recently in during the pandemic, and it's been you know it's been really busy. People have been you know making a beeline for it because of it's the experience they want to have there. Um, so I think it's incumbent on the brands and also us as an industry. Um, to think about how to create experiences that drive traffic, that bring people in, that give yeah. them a fulfilling experience and, and make it meaningful. And as we were talking about at the, at the beginning, you know, memorable and exciting, surprising. And, you know, digital is such a powerful tool for that. And, you know, whether it's, you know, a good Christmas or not, I, I think it's going to be a good 2021 regardless. And I think Q1, Q2, we'll see an increasing engagement. I mean, we're already seeing it now, but an increasing engagement of brands wanting to talk to, you know, people about how to, to really, you know, shift the dial in their, their spaces. Do you think there's a little bit of a, you know, speaking of brands, do you, do you think there's a little bit shift in, in where consumers want to, to go? Meaning that, you know, you have brands that have like Burberry, um, Nike, um, Apple, it's it's you know they have their their flagship or their branded stores, and and then you have the other side, and you have like you know Marks and Spencer, and and you know department stores that carry a multiple in the shop and shops and and so on, and, and it seems like there's I mean here in the states it looks like there's been a little bit of of a shift where um, you know the flagships have been able to do or those brands have done more in their flagships than they have necessarily in in some of the department stores um so i wonder if part of that is 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 driven by consumer demand or where they feel more comfortable in going if there's a a change in that or is that just a not really necessary trend that anyone has to be concerned about uh, yeah, I think department stores in the UK have been struggling for, for a long time and there's a consolidation underway right now. Um, so whether it's Selfridges or John Lewis or, or, or others, there they are in a, you know, Debenhams being, being another one that's struggled quite, quite badly in the, the last year. I, th- I think that they're having to really reevaluate their model and um, consumer behavior has changed. It's changed to an online experience where you would have gone into a department, a department store for choice. So you're now in an online space for choice. You don't really need a department store in that way. Um, but when it comes to the big brands, you're going because you want to You want to go. It's a day out. It's a thing to do. It's a space to go to. It's a destination that you're looking forward to. So uh, Apple yeah. spotted this a long time ago, right? That, that The Apple store was a was a was a more important store than a department store in any mall um, because that's that was the store that drew everyone in. Um, and it's, it's an like experience. You, it's absolutely, an experience. and you yeah. and you go because you want to be in that super clean, amazing environment surrounded by this amazing tech, and touch and feel the very latest devices, and you know have a smiling Apple employee talk to you and spend time with you. And 
you, you affiliate yourself with the brand. You, you feel part of that. And, you know, the more you buy, the more you engage, the deeper you go. It's, you know, I, I speak as a, as a Apple fanboy, probably. Um, it, it, it is a, it is a, a, a reassuring space to go because you know that you're going to just get some and, and the, the the demand you know to purchase something is really strong to the point where sometimes you're going oh, i've literally bought everything i've got all the headphones i've got all the the watch i've got you know what else can i buy so i think nike have spotted that it was interesting with microsoft though um I, and i'm still getting to the bottom of that one but microsoft have, have pulled back um this year and they're closing stores, so they're going they're they're going the opposite direction. Yeah, it's all but you know all but two. They're just the there's was it two or three flagships? I think yeah. Sydney, London, and New York, or and also I think one in in Washington. I think stayed. Thought it was interesting to see that because they were they were ramp, they were ramping up. Um, so you know, and, and what what I found from. The, the the small engagements that I had with it was that there was it was not a clear story when you went in, it was a brilliant space, but they were tr they were t treating it as a learning space, as a as a sales space, as a third party partner space as well, um, and their own products. But it it seemed to be a little bit too too far away from the uh, the brand uh, DNA of Microsoft um, to me. It, it seemed a little bit too hard for the retail end. Um, who knows? They may go back to it in future and kind of reimagine it. Um, but they're the sort of standout loan example, really, of that pullback. Whereas I think others in the space are, are doubling down at the moment. Um, you know, the the stores of retail, whether it's Nike, Adidas, you know, uh, car retailers. You know, they're really starting to think very dynamically about the spaces that they have and how people really will want to to come in and spend time and dwell. And, you know, how can we get influencers involved? How can we, you know, turn them, as Apple did, you know, again, innovating a decade ago with, you know, bands and music acts in, in the stores for, for uh, gigs, that sort of stuff. It's, it's still very relevant um, today. I think it's going to be interesting, though. I, I think, you know, a lot of great points. And, and, you know, I do think it's interesting to see the brands that have their own environment on how, and and it's it's multiple verticals too that you're you're seeing this 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 shift from QSR. There's been so many concepts that have started to appear from, uh, from Burger King, and I think, um, I mean, the whole Yum Brands has, has has introduced some interesting concepts that I think will come to fruition and in retail as 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 well. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it'll be interesting from next year to see lessons learned from, you know, I think you're green you know, people still want to touch, they still want to browse to what extent, you know, what is their new purpose for going into a store? Um, you know, does the store really you know carry a large quantity of merchandise anymore? Um, you know, that trend was sort of going in the opposite direction. It was really just a, a brand experience that people were seeking, um, and then where is where is online play in? Because obviously that for some brands that took a hit because they did not have the processes set up and and and, and did suffer. Um, so there's there's lessons learned from there. And how does that come together? Um, but um, I guess we'll we'll see what happens come next year. Um, it's interesting. So I have to say, you know, congratulations. Um, you know, speaking of, of brands, uh, on your recent accolade for the Made.com showroom. Um, 
Yeah, the pictures are actually phenomenal. Um, I know that that's not an easy space to to work in. Um, we we have another similar client to to made here in the U.S. and I, I can appreciate the challenges, um, especially when you're we're dealing with someone um, in the furniture space um, that has a, a large catalog. Um, so I'm just curious just to hear a, a bit about the project, um, the challenges that you you faced, and um, and then I'll have a follow-up question, which is more of lessons learned um, from what we're coming out of. But um, yeah, congratulations, and just keen to, to hear you chat a bit more about it. Thanks, uh, and, and it's always great for the for the team when we when we win awards, and it's always nice, you know, fantastic for the clients as well because you know they they put so much effort into this space and the, the concepts that they've they've built and developed as well. And you know, we we were just absolutely delighted to be you know working with Made, who are you know I'd been a customer of theirs long before we we worked with them, and and loved the company, loved the, the ethos, loved the the brand. And, you know, the, the spaces that they historically had were quite, um, they were definitely analog and they were very much a, here's some, here's some sofas, here's some, you know, some furniture, here's some stuff. In, and they're in, you know, a variety of colors, but basically you can try it if you want. Um, and they opened up a store in Charing Cross Road in, in central London in the West End. And um, the original concept was really, uh, still an online brand, but now you're able to physically go and it's a bit more of a, of a design space. And you can use iMacs that are sat on this long bench table. Um, and then there's a wall which had little drawers with postcards for, for many of the products. So the takeaway being you could, you know, get a postcard of it and walk off and, and you know, that, that was your, your, um, your gambit when you were in the store. Um, that went for a couple of years, maybe 18 months. And, and then they approached us and said, look, you know, this isn't working. We want to do a much more um, engaging um, experience for our customers. And we want them to be able to really explore the range in a, in a, a far more interesting and, and direct way than sitting at a computer, which is what they have at home. So um, working with MADE, we, we developed these, uh, this interactive 55-inch um, table that's like an easel almost. Um, and, you know, people gather around it. Families can gather around it. Um, you can stand there and easily interact with the, the, the range of products and choose the different colors and fabrics. And, and then you can see the, some of those products as well. They typically have around 3 to 5% of the products in the, the, the showroom. Um, but you've also got a thermal printer there. So we immediately removed all the need for the uh, postcards, but you've got a thermal printer to print off any details or scan with a QR code if, if so is your want. Um, and that was kind of at the entry point. So as you come in, there's a video wall talking talking about the, the, the you know, provenance of the brand. There's this you know, large, engaging, come and stand at me experience that sort of calls out to you. So you, you are beckoned over really to go and play with it. And then further back into the store, there's a much more, uh, much more um, focused bench arrangement with smaller screens again sort of a, an, an angle that you can then sit and order at so you'll you're taken through the sort of the process if you like to that point where you can if you want go and order all the products and, and do it in the shop and it's been really successful for them they've, they've opened up um, numerous stores which we've, we've worked with them on across europe in in paris and leon and berlin um, and and others and it's just such a just such a, a, a privilege to be able to see how they've um, developed the the online to offline journey in such a, a you know a flexible way and made it so 
um, so interesting um, because it could have just become another another furniture showroom, but it really isn't that when you walk into it. And it's you know it's coffee machines and you know they've they've got a, a small cafe area in the, the London store which just becomes a space to go. So they've they've, they've been quite innovative and trying different ideas, and uh, we're working with them on the sort of next generation of this at the moment. Is the next generation impacted by anything that's happening now with concerns about touch and like what has that experience been like since um, you know heading into lockdown, coming out of lockdown? Is has, has that changed the way people interact with with that experience? Yeah, so it's a good question. I think um, we, I think almost universally, um, we we went into this thinking okay, that's the end of touch. Everybody's not going to touch anything. The, 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 the fear will drive a, a, a revulsion of the touchscreen. Um, but actually, that hasn't happened. That's not really materialized in the way that I had initially thought it would. Um, and what we're seeing from customers is a, an acceptance that touch will play a part, and it will play a part regardless. But they want to augment that touch environment with um, – speech with um, um, eye tracking, with gesture, um, head pose, with a variety of sensors, and to really take the opportunity to um, turn them into really dynamic interactive spaces that weren't just, you know, if you want to call it one dimensional, um, but actually really start to turn it into a responsive interactive space. Um, and it's it's creating new opportunities really for exciting ideas um, and it's also creating better measurement and better uh, feedback for the brands um, you know made and others that help them understand who is using solutions for how long uh, what their emotional state is which direction they went once they stopped using it um, and when I say who is using it I should point out that it is anonymous we're not we're not um, we're not in the, sure, the sure, facial sure. recognition space, but you know the the, the demographics of who is using a, a, a platform, and that's exciting because I think you know the online space is so well measured. I mean, incredibly so, and the offline space needs to up its game. And there's an opportunity which we've been leveraging for the last few months to really talk to people. About, okay, look, this is this is the time. This is the time when data is now the big driver. You know, we've been through the various phases and we talked about how digital signage is now a, a legacy term. I think, you know, data is everything. Data is driving everything. Um, and if we see a customer walk in with khaki trousers and a white T-shirt, you know what? Why aren't we talking to them about where they can find, you know, like products, you know, align with your client, align with your customer and speak to them about the things that, you know, generally speaking, we, we can through our own data, whether that's, you know, a brand's own data of customers and what they like, all the data we're collecting in store, let's talk to them about how we can, pro, you know, proactively manage the content journey for them in real time. Um, and that's really the next step. That's that's phase two for, for everything that's going on at the moment. And, you know, we've been investing for, for years now on that and have platforms that deliver that for um, whether it's retail or or um, you know, hospitality. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned data. That is, you know, that's that's one we hadn't touched on. But I, I, I didn't. Right. I said data. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> it's <laughs> sorry. 
You say okay. there, I say die. Don't I know, worry. I know, I know. It's it's it's, it's well, it's a New Jersey. I have a New Jersey I accent. It. I it's a New Jersey it. accent. No, it's fine. It's it. it's a New Jersey accent. I say everything incorrect. And you spell color those... wrong as well. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Uh, sorry. It is just there's a very long list of, of things that I, I've I've and I've still tried to work on pronunciation. You're doing it better than me. Sorry, I'm, I was cruel I there. Carry on. Sorry. No, but but the English accent, everything sounds perfect, even if you mess up. Not if you're in England. The dialect is perfect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess from this end, this you is, sound great I, to me. I'm intimidated right now. But from the very moment that you you said hello, I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, and, and 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 the English have been using that to their advantage for. Far <laughs> too long, <laughs> especially in America. Anyway, sorry, data. See, this is saying. this is a this is a well, this is a pub conversation. And so, um, this is this this is a this is a pub dialect. It is. It is. <laughs> at, at some point, we'll we'll jump back into into that. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I you know not not to dive in because I think this is this is opening Pandora's box. Um, but I I, I do think data. Um, is such a critical element, um, you know. Today, well, even you know, today and in, in the past, I mean, the, the reality is, is there is a lot of information that is constantly captured, and it, it is it is sitting there, and it is not taking advantage of, um, and and all of that. You're, you're right. I mean, it, it makes the experience um, much more connected, um, more more. Um, you know, personalized and and relevant because it, it is it is seeing it in real time and and helping you um, you know become more connected to the environment that you're in um, and so and, and that's and that's being anonymous and it's it's not um, like you said it's 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 capturing data but it's not knowing exactly who you are it doesn't know that Peter is there or Brian is there it's 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 information that is relevant to the experience without knowing who's who's providing it so um, again, it's it's nice to hear that you're you're thinking in that direction. We've got to do intelligent digital spaces, right? No, it's a very if, that's if a, they're actually not a very intelligent, then why are they digital? I I, I agree. And we we were we were definitely we were always leading to this place. Well, I mean, I you know when when we kicked off in '98, you know, I my my friends would would often you know take the, the, the mickey out of me and talk about how I was trying to, you know, create Blade Runner or, or we were going to turn it into some kind of, you know, dystopian future. I mean, that's happened anyway, but um, the, the the Blade Runner bit, absolutely, I'm completely down with that. I subscribe to that 100%. But the, the thing about that is that it's a relevancy that matters. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a personalization on a on a general scale that, that's the challenge. How do we make it personal without making it too personal? And I think that's the question for for the age at the moment, where we can create experiences that talk to people, that speak to to what they want, that have a how did you know that? I really do want that. That's actually really nice um, moment, and uh, that's the exciting and surprising piece that that data provides us with and there's so much of it the challenge is you know how do you how do you say how do you segment it and turn it into just this data i just want to use this piece here not everything else discard that that's not important this is um and it becomes less overwhelming if you do that and if you get really focused in on that journey and it, it's where that 
conversation, you know, we were talking about comes from. Well, I have to ask, I mean, maybe this is, you know, where we sort of end, but I mean, what if your thoughts or have you experimented in looking at AI into applications? Because it, it, it's it's really the natural progression, um, I think, after after using data and then now start plugging that in to to the experience have have you experimented have you thought of that have you been asked <laughs> yeah so you thinking like machine learning kind of yes right okay so yes definitely um, and machine learning is a crucial part of pretty much all of the the um, data-led experiences that we're doing at the moment and you know there's there's a, some very nice um, engines out there that you can utilize to quickly train a, a, you know the the, the model and to create some and whether it's you know I mean, people like you know merlin entertainments there's opportunities for um, machine learning there to really enhance the guest experience in a in a way that um it, it's it's a collection of of data over a period of time but then allowing the content journey to adapt um, and timings to change and dwell to be reflected in that and the focus on the mix to be changed, but dynamically, and for it to report back. Um, yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the AI element of, of, you know, digital platforms is um, probably going to be the differentiator between those that succeed and those that don't in the next five years, probably. Well, I agree. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And to uh, certainly hear your point of view, um, I can can go on and on with with more questions. But um, you know, I really do appreciate your time. And uh, once again, thank you for joining. And if you can let everyone know how they can uh, get in contact with you to see more of your projects, especially with the the made.com project, where can they find you? Uh, well, Brian, firstly, thank you so much for um, inviting me to to talk to you today. It's it's just so great to speak to someone um, who is so um, so respected in this industry and I'm I'm just you know delighted to spend time chewing the fat with you about this stuff and, and, and likewise could keep going on and on. Um, we um, we can be found at Beaver Trees on so at Beaver Trees on anywhere so that's Twitter, Instagram uh, or beavertreeson.com. Um, Facebook, etc., um, and uh, the made story is on our website, and uh, along with others. And I, I think you know, I, I look forward to seeing the work that you do in the coming, you know, months and years. It's been it's been brilliant today, and I'm sure it's going to be innovative and groundbreaking in the future. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, no, I, I think we just continue to do what we do, and uh, and that's what. That's what really brings. Hey, can we make sure we have that beer as well? Yes, please, please. Let, let's have that beer, and we can put put the world to rights about data and data. Uh, believe me, Pete. As soon as I can get on a plane, uh, you you will you will be picking me up in Heathrow. Too um, right, too so. right. You just make the call. <laughs> well, thank you to listen. Thank you for <laughs> see. Uh, well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Experience by Design podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at OpenEyeGlobal. And join me again as we continue to explore different perspectives on experience design. Till next time, thanks for listening.